Well, good morning. Turn, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Galatians, chapter number 6. And we're going to focus on verses number 11 through 18. I told you last week this will be part 2. The closing comments, if you will, from the Apostle Paul as he came to the end of his letter to the Galatian church. And um, I'm going to get right into it because we have a lot of things to, to look at today. So hopefully you have your Bibles there and they're all open to Galatians chapter 6. Or you've got your iPads or whatever you use to, to do it. Um, at least have it there in front of you. I'm of the firm belief that the, the Bible's the Word of God and it's profitable. And as you look at the Word of God and you place it in your heart and your mind, it will change your life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about who we are. Our identity in Jesus Christ is so very important. It's a powerful little book, this book of Galatians. Because from this book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul to the churches of Galatia and also to us today, he's trying to teach us to have a clear understanding of our identity in Jesus Christ. Because if we have that clear understanding, it will protect us from a few different things. One of the major things it will protect us from is from false doctrine. Because what we believe is how we will live. And the churches there had received the Apostle Paul with, uh, with great respect, and they loved the gospel of grace that they heard. And they became unified under that gospel of grace. And so later on, other people came in with another gospel, he said. But he said it's not really another gospel at all. He says it is a false gospel. In fact, he uses some really strong language in chapter number one. He uses the language perverted gospel. It's a gospel that's perverted. A gospel that's perverted will, will, will bring perverted results, results that are not honoring to God and in a sense that are actually heresy. And that's what he was warning the people about. He was warning the people about a group of people who came in behind him that sounded good. They sounded very much like they were, they were um, um, for their good. And they were called the Judaizers. In fact, in, in your Bibles here, it's called the circumcision because that was the sign of Judaism. And they said that you can accept Jesus as your Savior, but you also have to add things to it in order to make it really complete. In their sense, they said you had to go back and become a, a Jew. A Gentile had to become a Jew. So the Apostle Paul spent his whole, um, all this uh, four chapters um, explaining why this isn't the case. And he took them all back to the Old Testament and he, and he gave them all the illustrations uh, about how um, faith came before the law and so forth. Then when he gets to chapters 5 and chapter 6, he begins to, to give the application. In other words, the so what? What are we going to do with this information? And he says you can now, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you live under the control and the power of the Holy Spirit. And in this final section, as we get into it, we're going to see that the Apostle Paul, as he comes to the end of his letter, he reminds them again about the purpose of his letter. And he does it in his own handwriting. He stops and he writes, and, and there's, there's different, um, we'll read this in just a moment, but there's different ways that people interpret this. But I, I look at it this way. He's interpreting or he's dictating to his scribe to write these things down. He's in a hurry. He's got to get to Jerusalem. So he says, look, I want to write this letter here to the Galatian churches. So here's what it is. And he's just popping them out, and this the scribe's writing it down, and he said, give me that quill. And he said, I want to write this in large letters. He said, don't miss 
this. And so this is very, very important. It's important because there was a serious issue they need to deal with. And that is the issue of what the church is proclaiming. And that is the gospel. Their departure from the true gospel would have destroyed their whole reason for being there. And so they needed to reject the influence of the Judaizers. They needed to get back to the true gospel of grace. And he does this in two different things. This is just a summary here. He does it in two different ways. First of all, he's going to expose what they are. He's going to show them exactly um, um, what these Judaizers really want, the reason why they're bringing this in. You notice when people bring in false doctrines or something, they bring in this little doubt, don't they? And they're usually very smooth, they're very sincere and all this. And they say, we know you believe in Jesus, but. And then they add these things. So he's going to expose that. And then from there, he's going to show them what the real Christian life is. In other words, we're talking about motives. And he's going to show the two different motives. And he's going to emphatically point out that what he sees that's worth boasting about. He uses this word boasting. Uh, The old King James uses the word glory. What the thing that he boasts in or glories in. In other words, Paul, why do you do what you do? And because of the cross, he says, you and I are new creations. We are not the old people that we used to be. We don't have to go back and try to clean up our life and say, okay, here's what we did, 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 and so therefore, no, no, we're new people. And he says, and because of that, we have a new motivation. We live under a new set of rules or a rule, a, a walk, and he also, we have a new power. He calls it grace. So let's read our passage. Let's go to Galatians chapter number 6, and let's have a look at verses 11 through 18. The Apostle Paul says, see... With what large letters I've written to you with my own hand, as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, he's talking about the false teachers, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Did you catch that in verses 11 through 13? He says there's two things. This isn't the topic of my message. This is just to get you into it because the actual topic starts in verse 14. He says here the reason why these people want to add Judaism to it because one, they don't want to suffer the persecution of what it means to be a Christian. It's so much easier just to add whatever there is that the actual people around you who are persecuting you want and then just let it go and then everything will be okay. So they wanted to not be standing out. They wanted to be a part of it. In fact, Judaism today calls us a sect of it. In other words, we're part of something else. And they said, yeah, um, that's what we want to be. We, We don't want to be standing out. And the Apostle Paul used to be a Pharisee. And he was a Pharisee of of very high stature. And for him to to drop down and to turn, to to only follow the grace of Christ, really did cause a lot of persecution for him. And they didn't want that. So he pointed that out in verse number 12. He says that that they may not suffer persecution. And then number two, the other reason why, is because they wanted to, as it says in your Bible here, they wanted to boast in your flesh. In other words, they wanted to say 
They, they, they felt comfortable with success in numbers. Have you noticed how much easier it is to go with the flow? It's so much easier to go with the flow. And, 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 and those of us who, who know Christ as our Savior, whenever they, they do a survey or something like this, we are often the one who is not with the crowd. We're the one that, that isn't part of the woke group. And so they were saying here that they wanted to be part of the success the group and that's what the emphasis there so now let's pick it up here and see what paul's motivation is we're going to pick it up in verse number 14 now he says but god forbid that i should boast except in the cross of our lord jesus christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and i to the world for in christ jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Do you get that? He says in verse number 16, And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God, as you will be God's own people. He says here in verse 17 and 18, he says, From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Or amen. Or so be it. Or yes. Today's principles we're looking at today is the gospel-focused church is made new in Christ. The gospel-focused church is not a, f- a church of mixed multitude of, of people who believe whatever, whatever. It's not a club. It is the body of Christ. And so it's it's the, the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ has made a radical change in your life. And Paul is reminding us of that. So let's go right into that. Because of this, there's three different points. And if you have your bulletin there, the outline is in your bulletin. So you can follow along. There's only a couple little places that you need to actually fill in. And then there are some worksheets out on the back table. And also you'll be sent them for your um, connect groups this week. So number one is, he says in, in verses number 14 and 15, he says, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. You know what Paul is saying here? And this is, you and I need to grab hold of this because this is not unusual Christianity. This is basic Christianity. He says the word boast there is not a negative term. It says, what do you praise? What do you rejoice in? He says, what makes your day? He says here that we praise and rejoice in the fact that we have the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, the world's crucified to us and we to the world. And our confidence is in the cross of Jesus Christ. Now compare that or contrast that with what we just talked about. The confidence of the Judaizers was not in Jesus Christ, is in the old history of Judaism. So therefore, they never actually knew if they actually were saved or not. They were always looking back on something that someone else did for them, or in this case, to them, to identify them with God's people. And he's saying here, but we know 
that through the cross of Jesus Christ, that we can boast in that. In other words, our confidence is in that. You know, that's, that's really the, the, um, the, the confidence of the church. That's what brings unity to the church. And it's not just in this century. It has been for, for since 2,000 years, that's been the focus of gospel-centered churches. People write songs about it. We've sung about it today. And, and um, some of my favorite songwriters, some of my favorite hymns come from a lady named Fanny Crosby. And she wrote in 1869. I wasn't around then. But she wrote in 1869, she wrote, Jesus, keep me near the cross. There I find a precious fountain. It's free to all, a healing stream, and it flows from Calvary's mountain. And somebody put music to that, and they did a refrain. It says, in the cross, in the cross be my glory forever until my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. Fanny Crosby, who was blind, and um, as she wrote this, you know, you, you wouldn't have to ask her too much. What is the thing that you glory in? What is the thing that you focus on? She says, the cross of Jesus Christ until my raptured or ransomed soul shall sing it in person with him. She said, love and mercy found me when I came to the cross as a trembling soul. She says, there a bright and morning star I found. And what did he do? He shed his beams around me. She says, I'm a different person because of that. That's the theme that the Apostle Paul is getting across to the Galatians. And the first thing that we see in the cross, we see God's love, don't we? We see God's love, God's justice, and God's mercy standing in perfect harmony together. In the cross of Jesus Christ, all of those things, God's love, the justice of God, and the mercy of God all come together. Romans chapter 5 talks a lot about that. The Apostle Paul wrote, he says, but God demonstrates his love toward us. This is in verses 8 through 11. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. His love and his justice are coming together. And you know what happened? Verse number 10 says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, that is brought into peace, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God. Paul said that because of what Jesus did for us and God's love shed down for us and because of what he has done for us, we now find that we rejoice in him. Same word as boasting. We find that that's the thing that causes us to praise the Lord. That's what makes us unique. Paul's ending his letter by reminding us of that. He says, and not only that in verse 11, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Paul says, you don't go back to your heritage. You don't go back to what happened to you when you were a baby or whenever your, your parents raised you and did this. You go back to a personal relationship that you have through Jesus Christ, who is your savior because he died on the cross for you. So in the cross, we find that. Number two is we also see that in the cross, our standing before God is now in Christ. We don't stand before God by ourselves. Oh, praise God for that. 
I tell you, there, there are people who, who say, oh, when I stand before God, I will explain this and explain that, and he'll understand. No, no, no. When we stand before God, you want to be standing before God in Christ. He says in Colossians um, 1, verses 20 to 22, he says, and by him, speaking of Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things are on earth or in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, and you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet hath he now reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. What a marvelous thing. No wonder he can boast in the cross. Because in the cross, we are presented before God. And therefore, in the cross, number three, our identification is in Jesus Christ. And you can now live it out. You know, people are today, uh, we, we hear this a lot, they're trying to find themselves. And, um, and, and with this generation that we're having that's moving further and further away from, from understanding the true gospel of Jesus Christ, we have people who, who, who don't know who they are. They, they don't understand that they are actually created in the image of God. They have, they, they, they have the ability to worship God, but they've been separated by sin. And so they, they, they come up and they, they think that they can choose their own identity and do this. And, and we're suffering the repercussions of that. The Apostle Paul says that in the cross, I find my identification. I can live it out now in the cross. Now, Christian, I want you to get that because that's what Paul is driving home to you and me. We are, we are now out there living out what it means that Jesus Christ died for our sins. In Galatians 2.20, which is just a couple chapters before, he talks about that and he says, I have, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. We often hear of, of the, the term people of faith. And that's, that's only a, an incomplete sentence. It's people of faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus is not on the cross anymore. He, he's, he's, he, he rose from the dead and he's now seated in the right hand making intercession for the likes of you and me. And we are now in the cross. And so because of that, all things have become new. And all things have become new. And the Galatians need to understand that the past is the past. In fact, he, he, he points out that in Jesus Christ, there, 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 there's, there's no male or female. In Jesus Christ, there, there, there's no identity uh, for that. There's no identity regarding whether you're Jewish or you're a Gentile. There's no identity whether you're rich or you're poor. Your identity is found in the person of Jesus Christ. You say, that's really radical. It is radical. In fact, it is so radical that to the Corinthians, he says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Embrace this truth. This abundant living through the Holy Spirit is the real witness and the true witness that we will have on this planet. 
And so Paul says here that I can boast in this. This is my salvation. You know, you couldn't be around the Apostle Paul very long before you knew the God that he loved. You wouldn't be around the Apostle Paul. He was a tent maker, by the way, and he would be, can you imagine if, if he was making you a tent and, and you sat down and you say, okay, make me a tent. You know, I want a two-man tent because I'm going camping this weekend, da, da, da. And he says, well, well I'll see you at church on Sunday. <laughs> I'll make you this tent, but let me tell you about what Jesus has done for me. Can you imagine him not doing that? No, you see, he rejoiced in his salvation. When you met Paul, you met a person who had been changed. And so he says here that this change requires, in verse number 16, I'm going to live by a new rule in my life. You know, the, I've seen t-shirts that no rules and all that. Everybody lives by a rule. In fact, the very person who wrote the no rules is living by that rule of no rules. It doesn't really make sense, does it? In verse number 16, he says, And as many as walk according to this rule. What rule is that? Being in the cross. Having the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He says, As many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. In other words, the Israel of God. In other words, they are the truly God's people. It's not, it's not just because you were born into a particular family or you had a particular heritage or anything like that. The true people of God have peace and mercy and they're walking according to that rule. It's a new standard that we have. It's a new standard of our faith and our practice. And it rests in two different truths, and there are many truths, but I, I narrowed it down to just two. Number one is you're no longer a slave of sin. You're no longer a slave of sin. In Galatians chapter 5, verse number 24, he talks about that. And going back, remember, the last part of this, the, these last couple verses is really just a review of what he had done, the whole thing. So we should see this all through it, and we do. We see it in chapter 5, and verse 24. He says, and those who are Christ, those who belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In Romans 6, I highly recommend that you, you internalize three chapters in the book of Romans, at least. Romans, well, you do the whole book, but Romans 6, 7, and 8. That's the Christian life in a nutshell. Try to commit it to memory, and if you can't, just at least internalize it. And don't you go and nail me afterwards and say, could you quote Romans chapter 6? It might cost me a couple cups of coffee. Romans chapter 6, look at verses 4 to 6. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism. This is identification. This is that new rule that we're going to have. We were buried with him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, I want you to get this, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Things are different now. Things are different because Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and he, and he rose from the dead, you now walk in a different light. He says in verse number five, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, here's what we know, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. That wonderful truth 
is what is illustrated in baptism when we do water baptism. Michael introduced, talked about baptism. We'll be having a couple more weeks from now. And when a person is baptized by water baptism, that's not what saves them. That is a picture of what has already happened in their life. It's their identification. It's their testimony. And um, let me encourage you, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you haven't been scripturally baptized according to, to what the Bible says here, let me encourage you to do that, to walk in that, because that's that rule that he's talking about here. This is that new standard that we have in our life. Remember, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You imagine the first century when the people got saved and they were gathered by the riverside. Everybody said, what's going on out here? And they said, oh, this is what their Savior did. And I thought, oh, yeah, who was that? Jesus. And they, were, they would be able to tell the gospel message. That's what the world needed then, and that's what the world needs right now. He says here that you are no longer slaves of sin anymore. You don't have to obey that master that you used to have. You have a new master. You are dead to sin now and you're alive to God. Romans 6, uh, same chapter, verses 11 through 14. I've skipped a whole portion there, but this is how we present ourselves now. We, we hear that term a lot. How are you presented you know, you know, before you go out, a lot of times you'll, you'll look in the mirror and you'll go, okay, I want to present myself well for this interview, or I want to present myself well for this, so I'll study up about it, or, or I want to present myself in this light so that people can understand what my true identity is. Well, here's how, how do you present yourself now as a believer in Jesus Christ? You present yourself to God. Look what it says in verses 11 to 14. He says, likewise, you also, I like this term, Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Count it to be true. You say, well, I struggle with sin. Yeah, we do. That's, that's why chapters um, 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 6 and 7 of Romans are so important to our Christian life. It talks about that struggle that we have. Chapter 8, you got to have it because it talks about the Holy Spirit working in your life that seals you. You can cry out, Abba, Father. You have that relationship because you know Christ. He says here, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you wake up in the morning, you say, okay, this is a new day. This is the day that the Lord has made, and he's going to do a work in my life. Lord, I am presenting myself to you. I'm alive in you. He says in verse number 12, therefore, therefore, because that is true in your life, Paul says in verse 12, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. You don't have to obey that old master anymore. You're dead to that. That's the old life. He says, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. You ever heard the thing, oh, well, I just couldn't help it. You know, this is just the way I am. He goes, no, no, the way he says it is you and I have choices in our life. Who do you present yourself to? You present yourself. That's why that's why many times we have to separate from the old to the place where we don't want to be a part of that anymore. We don't want to have the symbolism of that anymore. Our lives are different now, so we don't present ourselves with the opportunities to sin. We call that biblical separation. 
So what do we do? Instead of that, what we do now is we present ourselves as alive to God, as his instruments of righteousness. You made a choice this morning, and that's why you're here. That's part of it. You said, you know what? I'm going to be in church this morning because I'm going to present myself because the Bible says that we need to be worshiping the Lord together. And God, you've got something for me here this morning. Maybe that was it. Maybe that was what you needed today. Because sin shall not have, Paul says in verse 14, shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under that law, that old law. He says you're now under grace. And because in Christ you're a new creature, you can now walk with this new rule, and you do it by submitting the Holy Spirit's work in your life. You remember um, the fruit of the Spirit that he talked about. Um, a couple weeks ago in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Let me just remind you of that again. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in your life right now. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's long-suffering, which sounds like, the, in other words, you're going to have to go through some things here. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness. It's gentleness. And yes, it's self-control. That's the fruit of your life. So let's see. We have a new motivation. We have a new walk or a new rule. And now we're going to find out how we're going to do this. We're going to do this because we're going to be empowered with grace in our life. Grace, the divine influence in your heart. The grace is how God is working in your life. It's almost like a benediction that he gives here in verses number 17 and 18. In verse 17, he leads up to it. He says, from now on let no one trouble me for i bear in my body the marks of the lord jesus quite literally he did you say you know paul take off your shirt and let me have a look at your back and he would find the 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 whippings and the stonings he had gone through because he was preaching the gospel you read through the book of acts and you'll find that that paul either he always split a crowd they were either for him or against him. And those who were for him, he had to teach. Those who were against him, he had to run away from, but he didn't. And they would persecute him. And he literally had those marks on his back. So he says, you don't have to trouble me anymore with, the, with, this, with this stuff about Judaism. He says, I know what I'm talking about. I have suffered persecution from these people. Don't follow them. He says, don't trouble me anymore with them. Do you remember, the, and then the Apostle Paul ends with this beautiful benediction. Now, benedictions are wonderful, aren't they? Now, benedictions are like, they're, they're, they're the hope. They're the blessings that we have. And he says here in, in verse number 18, Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The grace of the Lord. That's familiar. In fact, if you do some research, and I did it this, this week, I sat down and I looked up every different scripture that he did this for, and I filled out a whole page writing them out where he uses grace be to you. May God's grace be upon you. He, sa- he said there that, that the grace that he, we need this grace because he, started, he starts it in Galatians chapter 1, um, verse number 3. He says here, he says, grace to you and peace from God, the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and the Father. For him be glory forever and ever. That's how he starts the book. And that's how he ends the book. He starts and ends it. You know why? Because you and I need to live by grace. 
you don't come to church to get your head beat in with, with all the things that you've done and all this. What you need to know is there's hope out there. there. There's confidence out there. You can live the Christian life. You and I have been placed in this society at this time to have an influence on society. But more so than that, we are to show God's grace or God's working in our life. Why is that? Because Paul needed that. Because he needed that grace to bear the marks of Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 3, he talked to these, one of his favorite churches at Philippi. I often quote from there, don't I? I've noticed that. I've, uh, I've, I've kind of gone through some of the notes I've done in the past. And I thought, you know, I, 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 I almost always go back to the book of Philippians whenever I'm talking about the Apostle Paul. Because here's what he says here. He says, but what things were gained to me? He says, in Judaism, I had all these things. I was comfortable. I had a great retirement program. <laughs> I had a great security in my job. I had all these. I had respect, even though most of the people feared me. But I had respect, and I had all these different things. Had my whole life worked out for me. But then something happened. I met Jesus, and it changed everything. And he says in verse number seven, but what things were gained to me through Judaism? He says, I have counted loss for Christ. He goes a little bit more than that. He says in verse 8, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. That's my goal. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. You wonder why the Jews got stirred up about Paul all the time? Because Paul says, you know, when I was in your, your religion and when I was trying to, trying to please God and do all that, now all that is just rubbish. Boy, that would irritate you if you thought that everything you lived for was rubbish. He says, no, no, no. Compared to the excellency I have in Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what our city would look like if a group of Christians had that? And we live that way on the workforce. We live that way in our school. We, we, live the, we, we have the fruit of the Spirit in the classroom as we deal with social media. If we, if we allow that to dictate everything that we do and we filter every activity that, we're, that we do with, with, what, um, uh, with this, this new grace that we have in our life, can you imagine what would happen? Well, he says in verse number 9 of Philippians 3, he says, and I'm going to be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, which I could never keep, the implication is, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. He needed the, the also the, the grace to live out the power of God in his calling, and so do you and me. You and I have been said that, that when we were saved, that the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ was placed upon us. I tell you what, I can never do that. I need the grace of God in my life. And Paul says he needed that. Here's what he says to Timothy. He's telling Timothy, he says, now I want you to go out and preach. And here's what Timothy was a little timid about all this. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. He says this in his opening comments in, for, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. He says, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Who's your mentor, Timothy? Where is he? Oh, he's in prison. You know, he, he's been thrown in prison, you know. Oh, him, the Apostle Paul. Oh, yes. 
He says, now share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Do you know what tomorrow's going to be for you? You don't know what's going to happen. But do you know you may have to suffer for Jesus? You may have to lose that position. You may not go into that particular career. The, the world's kind of bringing it closer and closer. There, there, are, there are many Christians around the planet right now who are literally suffering. Some have been put in prison. Many have been martyred. The Apostle Paul says here, he says to Timothy, can you imagine if this is on the, the worst thing? You know, come and join me, Timothy. Um, here's what you're going to do. Well, where are you? I'm succeeding in Christ. I'm in a Roman prison. And I'm writing my epistles from a Roman prison. Don't be ashamed of that. Oh, the Jews say, he can't be successful because look where he is. And Timothy, don't be ashamed of that. And Christian, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God. He says he saved us and he called us to a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. When you look back over your week and you say, oh, I failed in this area, in this area, in this area, your focus is on the wrong thing. You begin to focus on what Christ has done for you. You are now presenting yourself as instruments of righteousness for him. You know, that is radical change. Some people say that's radical Christianity. Paul says that's grace living in you. It's his purpose for you. Let me ask you a question. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? You know, you come to church and you do things like this, but have you, has there been a time in your life when you said, you know, I'm a sinner before God? I recognize that. I recognize that most people say, well, I'm a sinner because everybody's a sinner and all this. But you come to the place where you say that my sins have condemned me. And you get to that place and you, 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 you get to that, that hopelessness. There's a lot of people at that place now. And we have a lot of mental problems because of that and all this. They need to recognize that, that they are actually been separated from the God who loves them. But have you trusted Christ to be your Savior? The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If there hasn't been a time in your life when you've turned to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, not Jesus Christ in the church and Jesus Christ in your parents and Jesus Christ in whatever, but Jesus Christ alone and you're trusting him as your savior, you can do that right now. In fact, in our closing prayer, I encourage you to do just that. Call out to the Lord and ask him to be your savior. Put your faith and your trust in him. The Bible says that whosoever believes with their heart, confess with their mouth, they will have eternal life number two let me ask you another question what are you doing now to allow god to work in your life because remember what paul said here paul says you're not your own anymore to the corinthians he says you've been bought with a price you know you're, you're not yours anymore so what are you doing right now what, what is it in your life and only god can talk to you about that right now it's probably the thing that popped in your mind just then 
that you need to actually do to walk in that new rule that he's talking about? What commandment do you need to obey? What promise do you need to grab hold of that Jesus has given you? Lord, we pray right now that as the Apostle Paul concluded his letter, he challenged them and he challenges us, Lord, to walk in a new light, to walk with a new faith and a new grace because we are new people. And Lord, I pray that if there's somebody here that hears this message today, that they won't just let it go by, but they'll come to a realization that Jesus Christ actually died for their sins. And may they come to you and, and confess their need for you. And Lord, I pray that, they, that you will, will, will come to them and, and, and save them from their sins today. And Lord, we, we have many people who are making many decisions regarding what they're supposed to be doing in life. We have young people here, Lord, who are, who are making career decisions right now. We have, we have um, um, young parents and we have families and they're trying to discover what they're going to be doing. What is going to be the focus and the determination that describes them in their life? And Lord, I pray that today they would give their families to you. They would dedicate their marriages to you, their careers to you. In fact, their very attitudes. And as we go out this week, Lord, and, and, and we live out what we've been learning through the book of Galatians, Lord, and on our social media, the way that we interact with people, maybe through grace, Lord. May it be through the, the Holy Spirit's fruit coming out in our life as we submit to you. Show us the way we're to walk, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.